Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. I've got two wonderful parts to the program. First segment of the program, I'm interviewing Father Jeff Putoff, and you're going to enjoy this. It's an it's a beautiful, it's a wonderful retreat, and you'll find out through the uh, the way that Father Putoff talks about this retreat. I'm really fired up to go and. I think you're going to be surprised when you hear about the kind of retreat we're discussing. Okay, And then in the main body of the program, I have my final talk on growing in the Holy Spirit. How do we grow in the Holy Spirit in accord with what God's plan and purpose is for our lives? So let's dive in and get started. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Well, welcome to the program, Father Jeff Putoff. Jeff, Father Jeff is joining me from Michigan. I appreciate you sharing with us today, so thank you. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here, and I'm looking forward to the retreat in Spokane. Yeah, very exciting. You know, Father Jeff does uh, Ignatian retreats, uh, uh, spiritual using the spiritual exercises and other sources of insight. Uh, and you've been doing this for many years as a retreat leader and uh, helping folks get connected to God. And I, I want to talk to you about uh, that, like, for instance, the retreat that you're you're coming out to Spokane, the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center to do. It's an eight-day retreat. Now, most folks who are have even gone on a retreat, most of those retreats are a day or maybe a weekend and are pretty filled with talks, conferences, small group discussions, lots of interaction. And what you're inviting folks into is an eight-day Ignatian silent retreat. So I would love for you to explain why would someone want to do that? And maybe even better, why is it so crucial and meaningful for people today to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, a silent retreat, it's sort of a misnomer because there's lots of conversation on the retreat. The conversation that was focused between the retreatant and God. So lots of conversation lots of opportunity uh, to encounter and to have uh, chats. Ignatius calls it colloquies, familiar conversations like we would have with a friend. Uh, we go away and we go into silence to help us be able to be focused with our friend and to be able to um, have that sort of uh, directed conversation. What I like about an eight-day retreat is that there's plenty of time. I do also three-day retreats, four-day retreats, one-day retreats, sometimes preached retreats. Many of those retreats are compressed, and there's lots of information in those retreats. So you have talks, you might have um, masses, rosaries, stations. And so literally, time can kind of get taken up. And the conversation with God is actually a little bit more difficult to have. 
On the eight-day retreat that we're going to have out in Spokane, what's great is we have ample opportunity to have prayer interspersed with some talks and mass. And so that's just, um, it's a time to relax, to be curious, and to be spacious with God. Well, Jeff, I'm wondering on on a, an extended retreat like that, if there's a, a process of sort of emptying out, right? So the first, I don't know, 24, 48 hours, there's a sense of letting go, shedding the, the burdens, the anxieties that we might be carrying with us from the, the lives that we're living. And, and there's almost a, like a capacity, uh, a receptivity that begins to open up as you get into the flow of a, really a different rhythm of life that is making, I love what your phrase was, ample room for an intimate sharing with the Lord. I love that. Uh, I, I, you probably have some like guideposts along the way, like, hey, here are some signs that of things that are happening as you're going to be letting go of the frenetic or frenzied pace that probably a lot of folks have as they're entering into an eight-day retreat. So one of my favorite images about a retreat is to think of a large ship and how large ships just can't stop. And so it's quite, quite common for people to arrive with a lot of momentum in their life, a lot of care, concern, family, children, jobs, all sorts of things that are with them. And we just don't switch gears. In a sense, we take time. And in that process, and this is what's great about an eight-day retreat, I find that people on the second and the third day will be sleeping even more than the first day. They arrive and they're able to give themselves what they need so that they can actually have time for the conversation. But secondly, when you say to kind of offload maybe anxieties or worries, I like to think about our retreat rather in the opposite. I like to think about how we welcome the all parts of ourselves. And so if we have an anxiety, a worry, a desolation, a care, a concern, they're all welcome on retreat. And what we want to do is make space, bring that spaciousness that we have, that ability that God has given us, this innate ability to be curious and to welcome all parts of ourselves. So in a sense, we're, we're creating this time so that it can be a time of welcome. And whatever's there, we can have in conversation with the Lord. That's beautiful, Father Jeff. I, it feels like there's a sense of saying uh, you'll have the opportunity to discover God and experience God in, in every aspect of your life. And don't just think that you've got to throw out all of these things in order to finally find God apart from those things, doing holy stuff. Absolutely. So what I love about St. Ignatius, so he talks about consolation and desolation. So we'll talk about that on this retreat. They're normal parts of an adult spiritual life. And many people, to hear that desolation is normal and to be expected, and even an opportunity for connection with God can be a surprise. And I love being able to be with people as um, that, that they discover that, that all of their parts, Ignatius says, we find God in all things, not just some things or only certain things, but in all things, because God is a part of everything. And so on our retreat, it's really the practice, the discovery, the exploration of how all parts of who we are and of our life and our world are imbued with God. 
Now, lots of times we may have interior parts of ourselves that are worried about that, that are scared about that, that are concerned about that, might be afraid of that, reticent there. And those are all fundamental parts of a retreat. We simply welcome them. We find out what they're worried about. We accompany them and we bring them to God. So Father Jeff, again, I'm talking with Father Jeff, put off, Father Jeff is leading an eight-day silent, Ignatian silent retreat at the Immaculate Art Retreat Center beginning on July the 9th and continuing on until the 16th. On the 9th, it begins at 4.30 in the afternoon, and then it's done by 1 p.m. on the 16th at the beautiful setting of the South Hill of Spokane, the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. It's just a lovely property. Father, talking about, like, that's how we enter. Okay, so we enter the retreat. um, We give permission to uh, encounter God in every part of our being, every aspect, everything we bring uh, bring to the retreat as we are. We then are able to uh, enter more deeply into the flow of the retreat. What would you say are some of the most important fruits that manifest themselves in the lives of those who uh, who make an eight day retreat like this? And especially for someone who hasn't, it's like, all right, if that's what I'm going to be given in, what are some of the things that happen to folks who do that on the way out? Wow, that's that's a great question. Well, the first thing is in retreat, all we need is a willingness, simply to bring a willingness to connect with God. We don't have to have a plan, though oftentimes we come with a plan. We don't have to have an idea of where we need to go. We simply need to say to God that we want to connect, to have disposability, that's all, that we're disponable towards God. And God's grace, God's spirit uh, works. I think what's oftentimes most surprising is the curiosity that people um, discover and the breadth and the depth of a God that holds everything. So oftentimes people will come in, like I have a favorite story that I always share on retreat. When I first started uh, directing retreats uh, a long time ago, uh, somebody came in to see me, the third or the fourth person. And um, she kind of looked at me a little bit when she first saw me, we hadn't met yet. And it looked a little bit like she was disappointed. And so she sat down and we start talking. And um, I found out she was a religious sister. So we chat a little more. I said, sister, hey, uh, what grace do you want to pray for? She said, peace. I want the grace of peace. And I said, ah, sister, that's a great grace. So she went off. Um, The next day she came in, she came through the door. You could just tell she was spitting mad. She was enraged. She sits down and she glares at me. And I kind of look at her and said, oh, sister, how are you doing? Terrible. I said, oh my God, sister, what's the matter? The food is bad. My bed is uncomfortable. My room is stuffy. The people are noisy next to me. She lists off a, num- a number of things. And then she looks right at me. And she says, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> and I, for a moment, I thought, why am I doing this job? That's what I thought. But real quickly, I pivoted and I said, well, sister, it sounds like God has given you your grace of peace. And she about came out of her chair. What do you mean? And I said, well, sister, does it surprise you that God's gone right to that place inside of you that needs peace? Now, that was a real surprise for her because peace for her, I think, initially meant I'm checking out, leave me alone, I'm on vacation, a number of things like this, right? But she had done one important thing and a dangerous thing. She asked for a grace, and grace is giving God permission to move in our life. God has a different understanding for her in that moment of peace. 
a sense of peace to go to the place that really, in a sense, needed a healing, right? And that's the beauty of retreat is when we and God meet, we both bring our perspectives, our perspective and God's perspective meet. And that encounter is is tremendous and it's surprising, it's glorious, and um, and people leave um, filled with a new energy. That's so powerful, Father Jeff. That's a great story. I love that. I I want to use a uh, an analogy and tell me how it fits. So when I have thought about retreats, sometimes I think of them as getting on the operating table. That you talk about praying for a grace, and then God gets in there and starts doing some work by exposing stuff. And it feels like retreats are safe environments where the Lord is saying, "Okay, I got you for eight days." And so I know that you're going to be in this rhythm where you're going to be praying and you're going to ask for this grace. It's kind of like getting on the operating table and, and kind of I, I, I now have permission or I've got the space to do some major surgery because you're going to be in this more receptive, disponable, this more receptive position so that I can do deeper work that would be much more difficult to deal with if I wasn't in an environment that was marked by the rhythm of a silent retreat, how does that fit? Does that, how does that resonate with you in terms of uh, understanding retreats? Yeah. So, you know, my experience is God never dominates us. God doesn't do to us anything without our permission. That's why having grace is so important. And God really respects the fact that we need to be safe when that happens. So God is not a God of terror a God of dominance or abuse. Rather, God is a collaborator, right? And so I think to use your image a little bit is we would want to find a doctor that we feel really, really comfortable with to move forward with. And a doctor who has a great bedside manner, maybe. Uh, Those kind of things, right? We would check the doctor out. And I think all that happens on retreat, that we check our ideas that we have of God. We check our history that we have of God. And God has the ability to respond to us and to let us know more about God and ultimately God's great desire to save us, right? But salvation isn't somehow like something that's just cut out or inserted into us. Rather, it's that relationship that we develop with God for all time. So in some ways, I think it works, but in another way, I really want to just talk about the relationship that we have ongoingly with a God, not only who created us, who saves us, but who invites us to be with him or her in the act of salvation in our world. So you and I might get off the operating table and be happy because, you know, our bone is fixed. We don't go and be doctors. And yet that's the vision here of God, right? The kingdom of God, come and do and be for others like I have been for you with me, right? So in some ways, I appreciate it. And in other ways, I just think it's so much bigger and bolder than that. That's beautiful. Hey, let's go. Yeah. Contemplatives in action, maybe, huh? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. 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 So. Well, Father, I have one more question for you. So folks hearing about this eight-day Ignatian silent retreat coming up July the 9th, begins at 4.30 in the afternoon, continues to the 16th at one in the afternoon that you'll be leading at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. It's called Experiencing God, Our Interior Movements Understood Using St. Ignatius's Rules for Discernment. 
a lot of folks can be um, weighing on one side of the scale, what's this going to cost? It's going to cost me some money. It's going to cost me even more time. It's going to cost me a withdrawal from the ordinary focus and activities of my daily life. That's what it's going to cost. I want you to ask, I want you to respond to, well, what's it worth? Because I think that a retreat like this is worth so much more than a cost. So what would a retreat like this be worth for those who are able to evaluate, discern? This is something that I feel a prompting to do. So Ignatius has the rules for discernment. He has these 14 guidelines, right? And I like to use the term guidelines. Others might have suggested that we say guidelines for living a harmonious life. And I love that, the sense of being balanced. The image that I have is like the sunflower to the sun, that the connection that the sunflower and the sun have is that harmony. That's what Ignatius says we're all we're all created to have is this amazing harmony, this amazing connection, this amazing relationship with our creator, with our God. In a sense, cost is irrelevant. I want that. That's what I'm made to. If I don't have that, what do I have? That's what I would say to somebody. The retreat is an opportunity to focus on that and to desire that and to come to know that more deeply and especially to experience the bigness of God, bringing our spaciousness, our desire to encounter God. Father, that is so powerful. I love it. The infinite treasure of of experiencing communion with the living God. That's what awaits you on an eight-day retreat. Why would anyone want to uh, compare that to the, the cost of a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of sacrifice of daily activities? So, well, Father Putoff, I really appreciate your time today, uh, willingness to share about this retreat. And folks, uh, I, I don't know about you, but uh, the, hearing Father Jeff talk like this, it, it's it's magnetic. It really, it, it I know it's going to draw people in. Father Jeff, uh, you speak very beautifully. And to be able to hang around with someone like you, and helping to get guideposts and guidance for making an eight-day retreat. What a gift. Uh, it makes me want to come, sincerely. Tom, so, we have a room for you. I was going to ask, are you ready to sign up, Tom? I, I actually, you know what? I, as you were talking, Father, between you and me and everyone else that's listening and watching, I thought to myself, okay, what do I got on my calendar? Can I do this? Can I get to this? I, I, I am completely serious and sincere. Oh, you're welcome. Come on. I am going to look. I'm going to check my calendar out, Father. So that that's compelling, folks. You want compelling, just hang around with Father a little bit. You get drawn in. So thank you. I look forward to being out with the folks in in Spokane and uh, Washington and uh, just, uh, again, being out with everybody. So um, I'm excited to be there. Excellent. That's Father Jeff Putoff. Thank you, Father Jeff, for being with me today. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Father Putoff. We're going to now transition over to the last presentation on growing in the Holy Spirit. Enjoy this final talk on the gift and growing in the power of the Spirit. So first of all, it's great to have you all here. Um, When you think about how do I grow spiritually? How do I move from something I'm not doing to something that I want to do? So sometimes that might be, how do I pray as a couple? We don't pray as a couple, but boy, I'd like to pray as a couple. Or... We don't really pray as a family, but I'd really love to pray as a family. Or um, how do I read the scriptures or uh, sit in silence in prayer? Or how do I engage in something like 
a prayer that we're doing right now, like spraying spontaneously out loud. And there are certain stages, and I want you to hear these stages, what you should expect in your own path of spiritual growth when you go from something that you're not doing to something that is now a natural, easy part of your life. The first stage is you should expect that it's going to feel foreign. Like, I have never done this before, and this is really odd, different, weird, right? So that's the first stage. The first stage you should expect that not doing something to stepping into it, it's gonna feel foreign. Then get ready. The second stage is, as you start doing it, it's gonna feel awkward. It's gonna feel like, okay, um, you know what? This is doesn't really fit. It's not that natural to me. It's I, I don't quite get it, but that's okay because you move into the third stage. And the third stage is after it feels foreign and then it feels awkward, you experience failure. So isn't this a great path to spiritual growth? <laughs> Let's go. I'm just so excited about growing spiritually because I faced the foreign experience to the awkward experience to I experience failure in my very attempts of doing this. If you've ever tried to go from not praying with people to praying with people, praying as a family, praying as a couple, praying in court. It's awkward, no, it's foreign, it's awkward. You experience failure, but it's fine because you move to the next stage. You become spiritually attacked. Why doesn't anybody want to walk this path to this whole new level of spiritual growth and development? Because as soon as you start facing the foreignness and saying, that's not going to stop me, the awkwardness, that's not going to stop me, the failure doing it, that is not going to stop me, now comes the harassment, now comes the attacks, now comes the weirdness that just starts happening, like, what is going on? <sighs> Until finally, you get to the breakthrough. Until finally, you begin to experience the flourishing and the joy that comes with enduring those other stages, right? So I want you to just hold on to that because I've experienced that in learning how to pray with other people. I can tell you these stories of exactly these stages, learning to pray with Carrie, learning to pray with my kids, learning to pray in a spirituality that involves praise and worship and charismatic gifts. Do you ever come into a group like this and say, this is a little bit foreign? Is this Catholic? <laughs> and then say, okay, he just made us clap. He was clever about doing it, but he made us clap. How awkward is this? I don't clap. Or the first time you're ever praying a song and all of a sudden your hand starts going like this. <laughs> what, is, what is going on? My hand is going. That is not me. That's not me. Must be the devil. Yeah. <laughs> or it is so weird. Oh, you know what's happening? Everyone's looking at me. Everyone is noticing what I'm doing, right? Whoa, I keep going. Whoa, wait a minute. The other one's not right. And it's like, it, these are the stages you should expect that this is going to happen. So I'm sitting here like reflecting on this, saying, I, I feel like I'm supposed to share that. And then what does Chris say? All right, everyone, just pray spontaneously out loud a prayer of gratitude. And people are thinking, 
That's weird. That feels foreign. That would be kind of awkward. I don't want to do it because I'm going to fail. And you know what? I don't think we should be doing this. It is an attack. And then there's the breakthrough, and it's like, let me do this. Let me do this. So I share that with you for a reason. No one else is going to tell you that stuff. You, you know, you're not going to read that in a book anywhere. So I want you to hear that to say, this is the actual lived experience of trying to grow spiritually, whether it's in a group like this and the kind of things that you're seeing happen here, or whether it's in some other aspect of spiritual development, okay? You've probably been to many talks, heard many homilies that say, here are different aspects of your own personal spiritual life. Pray a morning offering, do an examination of conscience, pray a rosary, go to mass, and been taught the principles and practices of those things. Very good, very important, very valuable. What I want to do tonight is back into those things by associating them with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Meaning specifically, when the Holy Spirit is stirred into flame, when the Holy Spirit is active, and he's active through the gifts he's given us, all of a sudden these prayers, which we've maybe prayed for decades, will come alive in a new way. They'll take on a new meaning. So let me dive in. I'm going to have to go fast. Okay, I'm going to go faster than I would want to, but my goal is to associate gifts of the Spirit to fundamental Catholic prayers that are part of a typical spiritual life, okay? Let's start. There's a particular order to the gifts of the Spirit, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, courage, uh, no, pr uh, sorry, prudence, or right judgment or counsel, courage, piety, fear of the Lord. That's the traditional ordering of the gifts. So I'm gonna treat the gifts in that order, okay? First is wisdom, right? What is wisdom? Wisdom is actually beautifully associated with the first prayer you're encouraged to pray in the morning, which is called the morning offering, okay? Many different forms of it. If you look at traditional Catholic prayer books, you'll see a morning offering. And a morning offering is often connected to, for instance, the invitatory psalm of the Liturgy of the Hours, okay? The three themes that are part of the morning offering are beautifully associated with the gift of wisdom. The three elements that are part of the morning offering are saying the following. Number one, you are God and I am not. You are God and I am not. The second is, Lord, this is my heart's desire. And the third element of a morning offering is, shepherd me, Lord, and I will follow. Those are the three fundamental parts of a morning offering, beautifully connected to the gift of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the spiritual gift by which you can sense the presence and activity of the Lord God such that you can see how what's happening is going to be led by God to the fulfillment that he desires. Wisdom is the capacity to sense the finger of God at work in a situation such that you realize God is in control or he's going to redeem it for his glory. Now, how important is that gift, right? How important is that gift? Because anybody ever have circumstances that go really weirdly, astray, badly, wrong? And you say, God, where are you? Wisdom is like, I see you. I see you at work. 
I sense God here. And I, you know what? He is going to bring this to his glory. That's wisdom. That is wisdom. Now, wouldn't you like wisdom? Guess what? You already got it. When was it given to you? When was it given to you? Baptism. Guess where it was increased? Confirmation. So if we lack wisdom, we don't have to worry about, like, what do I have to do to get more of it? No. Pray that the gift that is there will be stirred. Will be stirred into flame. First Timothy. St. Paul says, when we lay hands on you, gifts were given. I pray that the Spirit will stir into flame those gifts that were given to you. That's what we did last week. Just trying to make those gifts more active, more alert. Now, when you do that, guess what you realize in these circumstances? God, you're God and I'm not. Lord, here's my heart's desire for what's happening in my life right now. But Lord, shepherd me and I'll follow you. You're the good shepherd and you're going to shepherd this trial, this tribulation, this difficulty, this situation, this relationship, all for your glory. That's wisdom. And the Lord will lavish it on us as we exercise that gift. Every morning, first thing, you have a chance to exercise wisdom by making a good morning offering. Next, understanding. Sorry if I'm going fast. Next gift is understanding, right? So we go from wisdom to understanding. Understanding is about gaining insight into supernatural truths, into God or what the church teaches about God. Now, we can try to grow in that through our own efforts. Good, we should do that. But the supernatural gift of the Spirit is that he illuminates, he enlightens our minds to bring us understanding that we wouldn't have on our own. We would never get to it. We'd never achieve it. No, it was given to us as a gift. What sometimes we try to strive so hard to achieve, he's waiting to give us as a gift. So in understanding, it's like, I can't understand why the church teaches this. I can't understand, Lord, this about your nature. Understanding. How do we grow in the understanding of the scriptures, grow in the understanding of, of the truths of our faith? In your personal prayer time. In your personal prayer time, this is called mental prayer, it's called meditation or sometimes recollection. So mental prayer, spiritual reading. Find books where you can do spiritual reading. Find books of meditation that will help you go deeper into the scriptures, into the events of Christ's life. And as you exercise those uh, capacities in your that God has given to you, your intellect, your memory, your imagination, those three powers, your intellect, where you can reason through things, think about them, your memory, where you're recalling the things that you've learned and now they're made present, and your imagination, where the Lord is helping to shape and mold that to bring you what? Illumination, light, insight, understanding. The Lord wants you to understand who he is, what he's done in Christ. But you're going to have to exercise that gift through personal prayer. Sometimes you'll hear a talk that says, pray five minutes a day, please, 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 please give God five minutes a day, baloney. 10 minutes a day, please, please, baloney. 20 minutes a day, okay, bare minimum. Is there any good reason why we can't give the Lord at least an hour a day? I mean, really, really. Even if you broke it up, a little bit for the morning, for the morning offering, Morning prayer time, first thing, before you get involved in anything else, prayer time in the morning. Seek the Lord to grow in your understanding. Exercise that. That's going to take some time, at least 20 minutes, to read and reflect on those things. You'll grow in understanding. The more that you know who God is, 
the more you'll love God. The more that you know who the Lord is, the more that you'll love him. Next gift. Next gift is the gift of knowledge. What's the gift of knowledge? The gift of knowledge is divine insight into human affairs. It's women's intuition on steroids. <laughs> Carrie and I walk into a party and we're there chit-chatting and this and that. And afterwards, Carrie's like, did you see that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> the dynamic that was going on there, couldn't you read it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's women's intuition. They have insight into what's going on, right? Insight into what's going on. And so the gift of knowledge is God-given insight into human affairs, into what's happening in your own heart. Insight what's happening in your marriage, among your kids, at the school, in the parish, the gift of knowledge. And then let's introduce the charismatic gifts of a word of knowledge or of a prophetic word. These are distinct ways that the Lord will gift you. He's already gifted you with the gift of knowledge, for sure, in baptism and confirmation. But you know what? If you're open to it, when you pray, you say, come Holy Spirit, release within me any and all gifts that it would please you to give me. And go beyond what I could even imagine you giving me. And Lord, I would love the gift of knowledge. Lord, I love that gift. I'm available to you. If you give me a word of knowledge for someone, I'll, I'll, I'll use it. I'll say it. Be open to those kind of giftings in your life. Uh, anybody want to know what's going on in the lives of their teenagers, right? I got five, right? That is a supernatural work. It is beyond me, right? So thank you for laughing, yes. Uh, but you don't have to wonder whether the Lord wants these gifts for you. If he's giving me a call to be a magnificent father, he's going to give me every gift and grace I need to accomplish that mission. A magnificent mother. Magnificent spouse, magnificent grandparent, magnificent young person, magnificent young man called to be a priest. Whatever the call, the Lord is going to lavish the good gifts on us so that we can get there a lot easier than we sometimes make it. So, journaling. You want to grow in your gift of knowledge? Journal. So what is that? That is saying, Lord, I'm wrestling with this question. Lord, I'm trying to get insight. Give me some insight, Lord. And then you journal. Journal's not a diary. Journal is being open to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And you might get a scripture. You might get a word. You might get an image. You might get a memory. You write it down. Do you want to grow in the capacity of getting that insight into your life or the world around you? Exercise the gift of journaling. I have journals that go back almost 40 years. Now the first 30 years got thrown in a dumpster somewhere on the move. I don't know how that happened, but it did. Moving too many times. Very, very sad. Stacks of journals, all gone. But uh, the, the insight that can come, you go back and you look at your journals from five, 10 years ago, you'll be like, whoa, who's that guy? That's amazing. That is, I don't remember that. That was God oh, wow. just speaking 
speaking a beautiful word. And so God will speak to you as you journal. As you write in your journal, God, you'll become clearer with that sense of what God is saying to you, journaling. Okay. Wisdom, not understanding, knowledge, right judgment, right judgment. Okay. Right judgment is about getting a sensitivity in action. Right judgment is prudence, right? Right reason in action. It's about having a sense of what's good at stake and then the knowing how to, how to act in a, in relationship to it. What's the right way of, uh, realizing it? That was, here, right judgment is this book. That's right judgment. Right judgment is me sensing, wait a minute, I'm drawing attention to that book, I'm supposed to pray from that book, but not yet. Let me not take an action. So it's really interesting how you will get a sense of promptings to do this and avoid that. Say this, don't say that. Don't go overboard, don't push too far. I wanna give you a devotion that you probably haven't heard of and it'll change your life, it'll change your whole family. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. I want to give you a devotion that you probably haven't heard of, and it'll change your life. It'll change your whole family. It's a devotion to the holy angels, especially to your guardian angel. I want you to know how special you are in the eyes of God, how precious you are, how unique you are. God not only created you, but God actually created an angel for you. Ooh. <laughs> I don't, you have to understand this. We have a distinction in how we were created between our identity and our purpose, okay? My identity is Tom, I'm a child of God. My mission, my purpose is whatever God's called me to do. Angels don't have that. What distinguishes one angel from another is not their identity. It's that their identity is equal to their mission or their purpose. So a guardian, my guardian angel has no other purpose for which he was created other than me. Hey, pretty cool. No. Awesome. Do you want to begin to experience a heavy hand of God's guidance on your life, you say this simple prayer. Guardian angel, I give you permission, I authorize you, and I beg you to exercise the fullness of the mission for which you have been created in my life. You provide me with the leadership the, uh, the provision and the protection that God has assigned to you in my regard. You pray that prayer every day. And this is the mystery of freedom. I'll say it again. The mystery of freedom is that God gives you space. Just like God gives you space where he's giving you these 
charismatic gifts, giving you these, these sanctifying gifts, these gifts of baptism and confirmation. And you know what? You don't take action. You don't take action to have them come alive and be fully activated. Not on him. Not on him. He poured them into you. In fact, there's a very interesting book that looked at the lives of saints and the lives of holy people who didn't become saints. And the one common, one of the, the most prominent factor that held back some from achieving the level of sanctity that God intended for them was that they weren't properly guided. They didn't have the proper spiritual director or spiritual guide to help shape and mold them to be the saint God intended them to be. That is dramatic. Because what that says is this, is that the one that's called to be a saint isn't going to be a saint all by themselves. But they're they're saints by connected with others who are going to encourage them, support them, and hold them accountable to walk the path that God has for them. We need each other. And so I need my guardian angel. The Lord's given me a guardian angel. He's given me a church that teaches me about guardian angels, but what am I doing about it? Am I saying... Guardian angel, I give you permission, I authorize you, and I plead with you to exercise the fullness of the mission that God created you to have in my regard. Lead me, provide for me, and protect me. You start praying that every day, and I'm telling you, you're going to call me up, and you're going to say, whoa, I was thinking I was going to kind of slither this way into a temptation, and boom, oh, wow. All right, Lord, I'm backing off. Or you're going this way, and all of a sudden, whoosh! Man, I just got protected from something. Now, guess what? It's not just your guardian angel. Guess what our church also says? Your family has a guardian angel. You got two. So I ask my family guardian angel every day, go! And be with that family member of mine that most needs your protection, provision, and guidance and leadership today, right now, go. Why am I emphasizing this for me? I'm the father. I've got a level of spiritual leadership and authority. This is the mystery of it all. I can command my guardian angel. With the authority as the father of these kids, I'm calling upon all the guardian angels of all of my kids, my wife and all my kids, my family guardian angel, go, do it, act, move. Theology of angels, right? This is a Catholic thing, but boy, we don't appreciate it. Gifts of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, prudence. You'll start getting these promptings about what to do, what to avoid. Okay, next gift. Next gift is courage. Next gift is courage. So. I really need a whole lot more time to talk about courage, but the courage that is required today, courage is about the willingness to face dangers, even dangers that will take our lives, right? The willingness to endure difficulties and trials and to face dangers, even the danger of death. I want to say this, that the Holy Spirit will stir the courage in us to go through that process I talked about, what's awkward, what's foreign and awkward and a failure and spiritual attack, to lead the flourishing. It takes courage to do that. It's going to take courage to experience a whole new life with the Holy Spirit. The courage to say, you know what? It's foreign. That's not going to stop me. It's awkward. Big deal. That's all you got. I'm failing. Let's go. I'll fail forward. Spiritual attack. Ah, that's why I brought the book. That's why I brought the book. 
that you should expect if you start praying, be released within me, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, make me fire, make me a sponge. Come, Holy Spirit, move in me and through me. Get these gifts going. There are going to be other spirits that start coming after you. Other spirits that are coming after you. So I've started to pray these prayers very intently in the last week. The book came right back into my life, and I started to pray these prayers intently. Next gift. It's piety. Piety, you think of reverence, devotion. You think of the sense of recognizing what is holy. I encourage you to pray for that gift of piety, to allow a particular devotion, that what is whatever devotion is meaningful to you, to come alive in a new way. Whether that's the rosary, divine mercy, a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus through an enthronement of the sacred heart, enthronement of the Immaculate Heart of our Blessed Mother, whatever that is, whatever that devotion is, you pray and you see what the Lord would give to you. It's amazing in the last week what I've seen in my own home. We gather to do our family rosary and we're teaching our kids how to pray to the Lord, how to actually address God like, okay, everybody say your intention is, I pray for world peace. Actually, my kids don't. I pray for our dog, Alaska. Right? And so they really, and I said, no, 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 talk to Jesus. And I heard with my five kiddos, five of the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard come out of my kids. Each of them prayed, each of them prayed a beautiful, heartfelt, personal prayer to the Lord. And then on Monday night, they were, uh, we talked, uh, they were looking for the scapulars. Like, hey, who has a scapular? I want my kids protected. I want that sense of devotion, that sense of piety. And John Luke's like, I can't find my, my scapular. All of a sudden, I've got my high school sophomore digging around trying to find a scapular. And the other one's saying, I lost mine. And it's just like, thank you, Lord. So we could get into, again, pious practices, but these are ways that will grow in faith. But do you ever have your kids or you feel a little bit of distaste or a little bit of boredom or a little bit of like, oh, really, do we have to do this? Pray for the gift of piety, that gift to be stirred so that they'll experience it in a different way. So I end with this, reverence, mass, and adoration. Or I really should say adoration and mass. If you want to grow in that sense of God's holy presence, go to adoration. Get out Revelation chapter 1 and see what happens when John encounters the risen Lord. When John encounters the risen Lord, he's drawn up into heaven on the Lord's day, gets drawn up into heaven, and there he encounters Jesus, face brighter than the sun, glowing at its brightest, hair is hair white wool, his uh, in, a, in a white cloak, dressed like a, a priest of the Old Testament, feet uh, gleaming uh, bronze color. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his fell down on his face as though dead. Whoa, that's an encounter with Jesus. If only we can encounter that Jesus in our prayer time, adoration. That's who's present as Eucharist. That's who's present as Eucharist, is the revelation of one Jesus, and we don't think of that. We have a very domesticated idea about the Jesus we encounter as the Blessed Sacrament. As the Blessed Sacrament. I didn't say in the Eucharist. It's as the Eucharist. It's Jesus. But it's not just gentle Jesus, meek and mild, the laughing Jesus. Now, this is the Revelation 1 glorified Lord who is there. 
you read the scripture and you say this, Lord, I want to encounter you after the manner that John encountered you. I want to encounter you. And you know what you'll learn, reverence? You will revere, you will recognize your God, and I am not. All right, um, a couple of other quick, I want to now associate a couple of these gifts with other practices. First is courage. You want to grow in courage? Pray to God to become an intercessor. Oh man, get ready to be poured out. Get ready. An intercessor is someone who says, Lord, I'm willing to go before you on behalf of others. You're not praying for yourself, you're praying for others. Becoming an intercessor is so much more than just saying, I'll put you on my prayer list. Right? It's, uh, I would, you know, I, I did a lot of speaking at conferences and someone said to me, oh, let's pray for each other. Yeah, absolutely, we'll pray for each other. And then a year later, I'd see them at the next year's event and the person would say to me, Tom, I have prayed for you every day. And I say back to them, thank you. <laughs> That's an intercessor, right? I'm a dabbler. I'm just dabbling. That sense of a call that says, I, I've embraced your burden. I, I feel the suffering that you're undergoing. I'm going to come before God on your behalf, and I'm going to be pleading your cause. Become an intercessor it takes great courage. Um, reverence. If you're going to grow in reverence, I do encourage, I mentioned adoration, but then mass. What you'll find is as you encounter the Lord in adoration in a way that you revere him, you'll want to find a mass that is reverent. I grew up in a time that was wanting to emphasize the mass being relevant more than reverent. There's way more to be said there than I'm summarizing in a simple sentence. But a relevant mass is a mass that's accessible and often casual to not put off those who would come close. And that's not a bad thing unless it diminishes, decays, or destroys the proper reverence for the mystery that is not accessible to us that we've been privileged to draw near. And so we've experienced a bit of a conversion in my own home. Casual faith kills, reverent faith revives. So we've sought out masses, whether in English or Latin, that has as a primary characteristic reverence so that my kids know that God is God. So um, last thing to help with this um, is, and this is associated with making a regular confession, is the examination of conscience, right? So if you start the day with the morning offering, end the day with an examination of conscience. This is going to take some practice because typically we get to the end of our day and how do, we, how do we get into bed? We fall into bed. We're exhausted. Right? And if we have a little bit of energy left, I'm sure we can watch one more episode on Netflix or another little video on YouTube or whatever it is that is our favorite addiction associated with these devices. And so we stumble into bed and we miss out on the moment of saying, let me become quiet and let me come back before the Lord and let me review the day that I started with him. And so a simple act of examination of conscience is saying, Lord, give me the grace to awareness of where you were at work in me and where I said yes to you and I praise you. Let me become aware of the ways that you were at work in me and prompted me and I said, no, Lord, I repent, forgive me. 
And Lord, give me the grace today to make a resolution to say, tomorrow I am resolved to do better, to live for you alone. Simple examination of conscience. As you become better at doing that, guess what will grow? Will, will, will what grow? Your sense of sin or your sense for God? Yes. Yes. So as we grow in our sense of God, we become aware of our sense of sin. When we are so immersed in the things that cling to us, we lose our sense of God. So I just encourage you to consider an examination of conscience. If you're not sure what that looks like, there are easy ones online. They have little pamphlets in the backs of many churches. Say adult examination of conscience, okay? There's some pretty heavy ones that are out there that will knock you down. Uh, so anyways, but go to that priest. <laughs> There's an amazing priest. Okay, um, there we go. I'll stop there and ask. I, I mentioned a lot of things. You heard the goal. My goal was associate gifts of the spirit to typical Catholic spiritual practices to help you live a life in the spirit. Any questions? That's right. Courage means brave. Absolutely. We've got to be brave. Not daring. Don't throw your life away waste, wastefully. Right? That's falling off the other side of the horse. Right? Aquinas says virtue is in the middle, in the middle between a deficit and an excess. The deficit of courage is, is what? Being a coward. The excess is being daring, where you just throw your life away needlessly. That's not what we're called to do either. Someone else, question, comment about a Catholic spiritual practice, about uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit, about something that I've said. Kim, what struck you? Either that or you can have your mom say something. What's your choice? Go, Chris. That's called, that, you know what, that's called women's intuition there, right? So just one little comment. Um, there's a reason why some of the things you've heard tonight are somewhat new, and that is, the great, great majority of Catholic priests were not taught almost anything of what you heard tonight. It's just a sadness. Um, five years in the seminary, in two prominent seminaries. Amazing education I had. Homily, retreat, talks, lectures, courses. The sum total that I heard about guardian angels, zero. Not one lecture, not one homily, not one class, not one lecture in one class, not one part of one lecture in one class. Zero about guardian angels. Yes, yeah, uh, Father Ripperger uh, is the author of this book uh, on deliverance prayers by the laity. And he actually inspired me to make a decision that I never want to repeat again. And it was... He was talking about guardian angels. He has a talk on guardian angels. He says, there was a tradition in Lent to give your guardian angel permission to humble you each day. <laughs> so in Lent, he said, guardian angel, I give you permission to humble me each day. I said, yeah, let's go. And after day five, I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How many different ways can you humble me? Uh, more than 40, let me tell you. It was something that I said to myself, I will never do this again, never. Um, so just to finish up, um, hopefully this is kind of exciting, right? Like, wow, this is exciting. This is our, guess what? This is our inheritance. This is not, 
What I talked about tonight, ordinary Christianity. What I talked about tonight is typical, average Catholicism. This is not extraordinary. This is not out there. This is our Christ-intended inheritance that has come to us in our Catholic faith. We will not triumph over the evils of today without the power that God has given to us to fight the battles. The power is the Holy Spirit, the living Lord who lives in us and wants to move through us, moves through us through his gifts. Let's pray that those gifts come alive. Sound Insight's primary sponsors are Burien Chevrolet and Burien Toyota. We'd like to thank Catholic business owner Dean Anderson for supporting Sound Insight. Burien Chevrolet and Burien Toyota are located off First Avenue South in downtown Burien, and all inventory of new and pre-owned vehicles are featured online at BurienToyota.com and BurienChevrolet.com. Find new roads. Thanks again for listening to Sound Insight, and may God bless your day.